Welcome to the Next of the Hub, the TV series hub podcast. Join us to explore the entertainment galaxy in this new feature made with love from fans and for fans. If you like debates, neck talks, and to be well informed about TV and film, this is the podcast for you. From Nerks to Nerks. Welcome to Nerks of the Hub. I am your host, Kelsey, and I am joined by fellow host Uber. Hey there. And our guest this week, we are so excited, we can call him Mr. Christmas, Marcus Bishop Hill. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Uber. Hello, Nerks. <laughs> we are so excited to have Marcus. If you have watched a Christmas movie lately, high probability it's one of his. You have produced a lot of Christmas movies. We are so excited. It is the time of year for that. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It's um, it's it's crazy because I think currently there are 10 of my Christmas movies that I've produced airing across uh, three networks as we speak. It, some of those are new this year, some of those were last year, and some of those are from Christmas's past. But uh, at any given moment, if you turn on a, a cable TV in the U.S. this holiday season, you're most likely to see one of my films. Well, that is really cool. <laughs> That's a very exciting claim to fame then. Yeah. Um, so we, have to, we want to start off sort of, I guess, maybe simply, maybe not, I don't know. We recently had on Adam Barkin from Killjoys and X Company and asked him to tell us what exactly a showrunner does, because I think that's one of those things that, as an audience, we don't exactly know, you know, actors easy or, like, lighting guy or whatever. When we say producer, what does that mean for your job? So, essentially, what a producer does is they are the person that oversees the entire film from its inception to its delivery and editing post-production and until it airs. A lot of times producers also are involved in publicity and promoting the film. So it's really just every single step of the way. So if we start from the beginning, uh, for me personally, and it varies from producer to producer, but for me personally, I'll receive a script and from that point, I, you know, will break down that script, figure out how much it's going to cost, how many days we're going to be able to shoot it in, how many actors it's going to take, how many extras it's going to take. Uh, and then from there, I hire a casting director. We start our casting. I, I oversee the crew hires, um, the vendor hiring. So everything that kind of, you know, needs to take place in order for a movie to start shooting, I will oversee and throw together. And then in day-to-day -day operations, while we're actually filming the movie, um, a lot of my job is just to make sure that things are running smoothly on set. I oversee safety. And then I also oversee just the product and the branding. And, and a lot of times I'm sitting near the monitor with the director, just making sure that every shot looks perfect, looks beautiful. And then when we wrap a project, I will oversee the editing. When it gets to post-production, it goes to our editor, we add music. So a producer really is the one who, it's, it's their baby, it's their project, you know? They, they see it from start to finish, and a lot of times no one else will see that. Maybe a director will, will come in a little bit after start, and, you know, we'll be there in editing as well, but the producer is there from the very beginning, um, so it's, it's really something special. So every, every project 
that I produce is something that I've put a lot of time into and probably taking some years off of my life to make. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, that's a very involved process. So, I mean, how, <laughs> I guess, how do you get to be a producer? How do, I mean, what kind of training is there? Or is that something you, you set in your head? I mean, I guess we think of like a director, they want to direct. But how as a yeah. producer do you decide that that's what you want to do? So there's definitely different types of producers. There, there are producers who come into producing because they are the money men, because they have they had money to invest in a project. And so, you know, they put money into a script, into a film, and they are giving a producer title. And a lot of times if that movie does well, they will get more projects and they will keep producing. Then there are producers um, like myself who essentially started at the bottom. Uh, for me personally, I out of college, I, I actually wasn't meant to go into the entertainment industry at all. I was studying law in school and um, quickly realized that um, I don't I didn't think that was the path meant for me my entire life, especially because I had an emphasis on family law and just studying cases where families are torn apart because of divorce or, or death or, or, you know, kids or even animals was, was just really depressing. And sometimes in law, you know, you represent the wrong side and you know it. So for me, I was just like, I don't think this is a life that I don't think this is what I'm meant to do. So I, um, I didn't go to law school after college, and instead I applied for an internship at a production company in Los Angeles. And I, I really, I started at the bottom. I was working as an assistant to a producer, and um, she left the company that she was at, and I followed her. And then from there, kind of just worked my way up. Eventually, I started working for a gentleman who uh, produces movies for cable television uh, for Lifetime. And he produces a lot of thrillers, uh, women in peril type movies. I, have you seen the, a lot of the Lifetime year-round yeah. movies? Yeah. We yeah, always yeah, joke yeah. that it's like, Lifetime for, for women, movies for women, where all the women are treated terribly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. There, I mean, it's, it's crazy because there's such a market for it, too. Like, people love those movies. They, they eat them up. But it definitely is, you know, this leading lady who is always out to get revenge yeah. because she's been <laughs> tormented. Um, so I was working for this gentleman who produced a lot of these movies and he was just pumping these out like you know doing 10 of these movies 10 plus of these movies a year and um, I was working underneath him as his production manager and production coordinator and one day I got an an email from someone who was seeking a production manager for a Christmas film and at this time this was maybe five years ago and at this time, I thought, oh, Christmas movie, okay. You know, I didn't really think much of it. I think five years ago, in in uh, maybe I don't think Christmas movies were as big as they are are today in 2018. Um, so back then, I'm just like, oh, Christmas movie, all right, sure, whatever. Uh, went in for an interview, got the job, and uh, just kind of fell into that by accident. So I did, I did my, I. I, uh, you know, worked on my first Christmas movie, which was called Christmas Under Wraps. It was starring Candace Cameron Bray. She, for for Hallmark Channel. So we produced that one for Hallmark Channel. That movie, to this date, is still the highest-rated Hallmark Christmas movie that they've ever had. And 
that movie did so well that I got an opportunity to step into an associate producer role and produce another Christmas movie. And from there, I, it's just something that has stuck with me. It's <laughs> been movie after movie. They're like, we've got another Christmas script. I mean, if you, th- if you, if you know the Hallmark Channel lineup, they have about 37 Christmas movies, uh, new Christmas movies this year. And so every single year they're stepping it up. So that's more and more opportunity for, for me and for them to be like, okay, here's another movie for you to, to, uh, you know, take over and, and produce for us and bring back to us. So, um, it's been, it, I get this question all the time. Like, how did you end up producing Christmas movies? Well, I, I started off at the bottom, worked my way up into the producing realm and then I've just been, I don't want to say trapped because that sounds really bad, but I've been, <laughs> I've been kind of just like contained in this Christmas world and I haven't really had much time or opportunity to step out of it and nor would I want to. I think I have an eye for it now and a knack for what it takes to make one of these Christmas movies. Um, so I'm going to ride this out as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been you've been typecast in the role and you're loving it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I just you know I fell into it by accident and here I am, and uh, I don't think I'm going to stop anytime soon. And I don't think Christmas movies are going anywhere anytime soon. So it's a great industry to be in. Right, right. So about these movies, though, I mean, when when uh, they're I guess they're presented to you, how do you choose? Do you get you just choose which projects you want to work on? How do you choose which ones you feel has that you know Christmas magic? Sometimes I'll receive scripts and will you know pass on them, meaning a no thanks based off of what I read. Uh, and then sometimes I will get a Christmas script where I pass along to uh, you know my fellow producers that I work with, and I say, hey, take a look at this. Sometimes the script will stick, but for the most part, particularly with Hallmark, because I do produce Christmas movies for other networks as well, but for Hallmark in 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 specific, they actually bring up they they'll give us the scripts. So Hallmark will decide on which scripts and which material that they want to uh, have on their channel, and they'll be like, "Here's a Christmas script, you know, make it happen." So a lot of times, I don't get a say. I actually don't even get a say when it comes to the leading lady. For example, uh, Christmas Wonderland, which premiered very recently uh, earlier this month on Hallmark Channel, I received the script for attached and attached to that was Emily Osment, who is an actress from Disney Channel. She was on Hannah Montana back Mm -hmm. in the day. And they'll give me the leading lady. And from there, they'll be like everything else, you know, you can have a say in as far as casting and you know, where you're going to shoot this and how you're going to shoot it and the crew um, and everything else. But for Hallmark, they're very particular. It's, uh, you know, their their script, their movie. And then, you know, they'll give they'll give you a leading lady and you go from there. So it's really interesting. Why the leading lady? I mean, is it they do they have sort of a, a stable of names they want to pull from or is it just someone's vision? I mean, why in that particular is that set? Yeah, so. What they've um, discovered, I mean, Hallmark has been doing movies and Christmas movies for a while, but their come up has only been the past few years. It's only the past, you know, three or four years, maybe even two or three years that Hallmark has become the go-to Christmas movie channel. And you've seen them 
talked about and referenced in pop culture, Forbes magazine, on the news. And what they're finding is there's a handful of actresses that he loves to see over and over. And in that, some of those actresses would be like Candace Cameron. Uh, they love Danica McKellar and Lacey Chabert and um, Alicia Witt. So a lot of times they recycle these leading ladies uh, throughout the season, at least one movie, one Christmas movie a year, because the viewers love them. And then since they've um, upped their movie game, since they're doing so many new Christmas movies every year, I think they sit down and they brainstorm on other leading ladies that maybe want to take part in this. And Emily Osment was one who had expressed her reps and herself had expressed interest in wanting to do a Christmas movie. And they were like, absolutely, she would be great. And for them, it's really about the leading lady. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed when you've watched these films that it's all about the leading lady. She is the star, and it's really an industry where the heavy hitters, as far as compensation in the workplace, and the females run the show. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, the guys, although very handsome and good actors in their own right, tend to be sort of um, uh, a slate you can imprint your own fantasies on, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just thinking about, you know, with all the complications you were talking about, the logistics uh, with these kinds of movies, what, what has there been a project that for whatever reason has been really challenging and why, you know, what made it challenging? Yeah, there was a, um, a movie called Christmas Land that aired in 2015 on Hallmark that was starring Nikki DeLoach and Luke McFarlane. And the script just had a lot and a lot of snow in it. And at the time of year that we were filming, um, I shot that project in Salt Lake City, Utah. And at the time we were filming, there was no snow. So of course we always bring in um, a snow team. On all of our films, we bring in a, a snow team if it's not actually snowing. And a lot of times it's not because it's summer or fall uh, or spring. <laughs> it, was, it was really challenging because the temperatures were at an all time high in Utah. And it was almost a hundred degrees daily. And the actors were just dehydrated, having to wear scarves and heavy coats and boots and, you know, earmuffs. And they were trying to look cold, but the cast and the crew were just so hot, just sweaty hot. And, uh, you know, it's kind of just, those are the projects that wear me down the most or or when we're up against the elements. Um, and then I've also had the opposite problem. I filmed a movie called The Prince for Christmas that we shot in Buffalo, New York during the winter, and we were shooting in actual snow in negative 10 degrees wind chill. It was, and that was even harder because the actors could only be outside for two minutes at a time before they had to go back in and warm up. And sometimes <laughs> they could barely spit out their lines because it's too cold. So I think that's kind of the weather can definitely be challenging. Um, and the fake snow too. I mean, cause I know that a, a lot of people will make, they'll poke fun or they'll try to be like, Oh, that snow looks really fake, but we, we try our best to make it look as real as possible when we don't have the real thing. Uh, so it's definitely a challenge with that fake snow. Yeah, I bet. I hadn't even thought about that being that's a, I'm glad you asked that question, Uber, because I wouldn't have ever thought about snow being the most difficult part of the movie. 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's a suspension of disbelief. I mean, you're entering that world. I don't even notice, you know, I just, I'm there, I'm in the world, I see the snow, and I just assume that it's freezing weather. So it's sort of funny that that, I just, that movie with Luke McFarlane, what, that was just on a few days ago, I think, and yeah. I never would have known that it was yeah. string hot. <laughs> yeah. And so with that movie, actually, to, to come back to that, that Christmas land, we had uh, it was very, very hot. By the end of our shoot, it was actually snowing in Salt Lake City. So we did get some real snowfall. If you remember watching the film, uh, Maureen McCormick from back in the Brady Bunch days, if you yeah. know her, she was in that film as well. And the scenes that we filmed with her when she's riding in, in the sleigh there's snow falling and it's real snow. So we got really lucky. I mean, I was, I was like dancing around because I was so excited. We got real snow to fall. I was <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> Christmas miracle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I have a, a question about, um, Christmas Wonderland in specific, which we just, yes. uh, although this will come out, this podcast will come out on the 23rd. Um, when we're recording this, it just aired this past Saturday. Love the movie. Super cute. We are familiar with one of the star, uh, stars, Jake Stormon from The Outpost. We are yes. Outpost fans over at NERCS. Um, yes. So that was really cool to see him. And so I have sort of a two-part question about the movie. First being, you have you know the sort of familiar story of a woman going back to her hometown, and it's her high school love. Right, and it's it's their sort of rekindling romance. So I'm wondering, you know, if you can sort of address why it is that we all associate, I guess, past loves, if you will, with Christmas, and then how you and the writer and and the director make sure that even though it is a familiar story, cause so many of the Christmas stories are, you know, you know what's going to happen, but they still feel new and warm and and sort of magical and I guess so both of those <laughs> sorry yeah big compound question I guess <laughs> no 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 worries um I mean like you said it, we try to create or have this feeling come across of stories and things that that people can relate to or have possibly been through and I think a lot of us Christmas time represents coming home and those of us who have moved away and maybe don't live in towns that we grew up in will always have a former flame back in that town. So, you know, a lot of people can relate to that coming home for Christmas and thinking, oh, I haven't heard from what's his face or what's her face in a long time. You know, like, I wonder what they're up to married with kids or, you know, everyone has an ex, essentially. Uh, and also for this movie in particular, we we really wanted to create the vibe that she you know left to pursue her dreams in a big city but her heart was back in her hometown um, I think there are some movies where you know the, the the leading lady she moves to a big city and ends up moving home um, or there's some where you know she moves to a big city and the guy ends up coming to her but in this case in Christmas Wonderland the character Heidi, uh, realized that her true passion was painting and being at home and, you know, the love of her life was still there. She realized that, like, a more simpler life was was okay for her. And a lot of times in real life, I think people move to bigger cities because they feel like they want something more or they need something more or they're meant to do something more. But I think 
the vibe in this film is that it's okay to like try something and know that if it's not for you, that you can move back home. You don't always have to leave a small town. You don't always have to leave your hometown. You can be just content and happy right where you are. And I love that. I love that theme. And, you know, my, I grew up in a small town in central California, uh, outside of Fresno and both of my sisters are engaged and still there. And, you know, I, I grew up and went away to college and, and never moved back, but for them, they're so happy and they're so content in their lives. And, you know, that's okay for them to do, you know? And then the second part of your question was about Jake, right? <laughs> oh, no, I was just asking how you make a familiar story. When we, I mean, we all know what's going to happen, right? In most of these Christmas movies. How yeah. do you find ways to keep it feeling new? Uh, yeah, well, we definitely do recycle a lot of storylines. I think that we try to keep it new by maybe switching up the locations or the scenery, or sometimes we combine, sometimes we take from past movies, little things that we thought were fun in past movies and try to like reincarnate them into the current films. But um, I think that at this point, because of so many Christmas movies that have been done for Hallmark, especially within the past few years, we're really going to have to start getting into the kitchen and... <laughs> And uh, coming up with some other ingredients that work because you can only recycle a storyline so much. And you're right. Like a lot of times we do know what's going to happen. But with that said, I also feel like I've had a lot of viewer interaction and I've had a lot of viewers tell me that that around this time, that's what they love. They're not turning on the movies to be shocked by something new. And they like, they want a feel good movie where they know things are going to work out in the end and it's going to have a happy ending. So as long as we uh, keep getting good feedback on that, it's, you know, they're, they're meant to be mindless movies that you turn in, that you turn on and just kind of dive into this world of, of Christmas perfectness. Uh, so, we don't want to alter that too much, but, um, yeah, I think we just, we, we try to as much as possible, throw new ideas in there and, and new storylines where we can. But, uh, a lot of the times the women end up being, you know, working in an advertising agency or like in Christmas <laughs> Wonderland, she's working at an art gallery doing events. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, they're doing well and that's the viewers love it. So there's definitely a formula that is in place that that people are loving it's funny that you mentioned that because i was thinking about with christmas movies what are the formulas that i appreciate and they seem so divergent on the one hand you have the you can go home stories and then you have the you're whisked away to another land to be the caretaker of a prince's children and uh, <laughs> and they both seem to work concurrently and it's like oh it's just and you, you fall into the world, and it's just funny how it is like that, that the, there are these formulas that are just, I'm just going to get sucked in. I'm going to turn on the Hallmark Channel, and I'm going to watch one after the other and enjoy it, because it's just, why is that? Why is it that, that these movies are such, you know what I mean? Why is it that that's just like catnip? It's just like, oh, I've got to watch this movie. I, I know what's going to happen. They're going to end up happily ever after, but still. Yeah, I think that a lot of times people during the holidays are so caught up in either the competitiveness of the holidays between 
you know, whatever it is between, you know, decorating their house or, you know, needing to have the most perfect Christmas with their family or, or sometimes there is, you know, trouble in the family. Maybe not everyone gets along or maybe there's been a tragedy in the family or maybe people are just trying to escape whatever political climate is going on in the world or in the country. And that's what I think the biggest thing is, is that for two hours, people can sit down and all agree and all love the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you can just escape from whatever reality is, is going on. And that's, that's the biggest thing that I hear from, from viewers is I'll hear these stories of people who tell me, you know, Hey, our family doesn't get along during the holidays. We're always fighting. But for these two hours, we sat down and we watched this movie and there was no fighting. There was no tension. We laughed, we cried. And it's a movie they'll never forget because for those two hours, they were together and they were happy, you know, and people who have, I've had people who have been in the hospital and the only thing they've had to do were watch these Christmas movies during the holidays. And that's what got them through times like that. So I think that's the selling point as, as far as why these viewers are eating it up, eating these movies up is because, uh, you know, they want to kind of escape a reality sometimes, and maybe not, maybe everything is perfect at home and everything's going just well. And you just want to turn on a Christmas flick and, and feel good. But I know that uh, I definitely have got a lot of feedback that these movies have made people happy at maybe a time in their life when they weren't. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's got to feel good to, to know that you're bringing joy into people's homes, especially yeah. starting to study depressing sort of family law. You definitely have come <laughs> like totally opposite. Right. It's almost like full circle. It's like I was going to go study, you know, I was going to study to be a lawyer and work in family law. But essentially, instead of tearing families apart, I'm now helping families in one way or another. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm that, you know, it's me personally that's bringing all these families together. And I know we're not curing cancer and I know we're not producing Oscar award winning content. But just to hear at least one person, one holiday season each was, you know, uh, impacted by these movies in a positive way, for whatever reason, makes me feel like it's all worth it and makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing, at least right now in my life and my career. Uh, segwaying from Christmas Wonderland into Christmas Made to Order, which comes yeah. out the evening, actually, that, that this uh, podcast will air. So December 23rd on Hallmark Channel for Great. everybody listening. What can you tell us about that movie? So Christmas Made to Order stars Alexa Penavega and Jonathan Bennett. Um, and it is a film about a girl who, her name is Gretchen. She is a holiday decorator. So she decorates for any holiday, Easter, 4th of July, like any holiday that you need. That's kind of her, her gig and her job. And she um, meets a gentleman named Stephen, played by Jonathan Bennett, while she is decorating an office building for the holidays, she's decorating the lobby of, an, of a big office building. She runs into this guy and he realizes he has family coming into town for the holidays. And he's kind of a bachelor, so his house is very bare and empty and he's never decorated for Christmas before. So he enlists the help of, uh, of Gretchen to help him decorate his home for the holidays. And of course, as you can guess, in the midst of all of that, they fall for each other and uh the family 
comes for the holidays and she sticks around and and uh yeah it it, (laughs) i don't want to spoil it for you but they're uh you know it's it's almost this he's the the leading man in the script he's almost not not a scrooge but scrooge like he's very grinch like he's very bah humbug he's not into christmas whatsoever in fact he's the only person in his office who doesn't have any kind of christmas decor on their desk or um you know in in their in their cubicle and um so it's this story where you know the the girl that he falls for really changes his mind about Christmas and changes his mind about what it means and uh, and really about a family as well and what it means to be there for family and be more involved uh, with his family. And we also the movie also stars uh, Joe Marie Payton, who if you ever watched Family Matters back in the day. Mm-hmm. on TGIF. She was the mom on Family Matters. She has a very distinct voice. She's really funny. Um, she plays Jonathan Bennett's boss in this film. And she's really hilarious, really sweet. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's personally, I love all of them, of course. I can't have my favorites. But personally, I think this movie is definitely one of the better ones that I've produced. And I'm super excited about it. And I'm really excited about the time slot too, having it on you know the day before Christmas Eve, when I'm pretty sure everyone's starting to get together with their family and hang out, it'll be a perfect opportunity for people to turn on the TV and uh, see some good quality content. It's it's a really good one. It really is. Right, absolutely. Um, I was just thinking about the wonderful ladies you get to work with. I mean, everyone knows them: Danica McKellar, Candice Cameron Bure. Yeah. I have to know. Do you have any fun anecdotes? Um, that you'd like to share about any of your experiences with working with any of these fine ladies? Yeah, you know, I grew up watching The Wonder Years. I think Danica McKellar was like my first crush as a little boy. <laughs> and I grew up watching Full House. And it's so bizarre for me to work around these stars that, you know, when we were kids, we were we were watching these child stars. And it's also really cool to see how they've essentially got a second wind in their career. You know, they were big when they were children and now they are big again. And I obviously, I have my favorites. I'm, I'm obsessed with Candace. I'm obsessed with Danica. I'm obsessed with Lacey. Those girls are the sweetest girls you could ever be around or ever work with. They're, they're so they're just genuinely really good people and really humble and really down to earth. I've also worked with Alicia Witt and now recently Alexa Penavega, who's done a lot for the Hallmark Channel. And they are both just really, really great as well. I think my favorite interaction with any of the Christmas movie leading ladies would have to be uh, Melissa Joan Hart. Uh, we did a Christmas movie called Broadcasting Christmas for Hallmark Channel with her. And, of course, she was Sabrina on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And mm-hmm. she was uh, uh, Clarissa on Clarissa Explains It All back on Nickelodeon. And mm-hmm. that was a show that I was obsessed with. And I just couldn't hold back. We shot that movie in Connecticut a couple of years ago. And one of the first nights of filming, a few of us went and got some drinks after work. And I was like half a bottle of wine in and I was just like fangirling all over her (laughs) and she knew it and she loved it. And I just was asking her everything about Clarissa and about Sabrina and, and 
I even started asking her about Britney Spears because there's an episode of Sabrina, the teenage witch where Britney Spears, um, you know, is on is guest stars on the show. So I asked her, yeah. so I asked her about her time with Britney and she told me this really funny story that, um, you know, she, she worked with Britney there on that, on that show. And then she also worked with Britney, uh, Melissa Joan Hart did a movie called, I think it was called drive me crazy. And then Britney Spears had that single called you drive me crazy. And, um, Melissa Joan Hart was in the music video for Britney Spears song, drive me crazy. So they have worked together numerous times. They've been together at numerous parties and events. And not too long ago, Melissa took her kids to, uh, either one or two of her kids to Las Vegas and they went and they saw Britney's show. And she said she went backstage to meet Britney and it was almost as if Britney didn't remember her. <laughs> so oh, <no. laughs> I was, I was fascinated. I was like, tell me everything. Was she lucid? Like, did she, was she all there? Did she, <laughs> yeah. did she know where she, who she was or where she was? And I know Britney's kind of had her, she's been through it. You know, we know she's been through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that was just a, a really funny story for me, for me to hear. And I think, I think Brittany's been, you know, I think Brittany's getting back in her groove and, and it seems like she's doing pretty well, uh, which I I'm great that she's on the up and up and, you know, she's being a mom and she's got a residency and everything, but you know, she definitely had that point in her life where, we just watched her spiral down and that was all that everyone could talk about uh, at that time. So um, that was a really cool interaction Work, working with Melissa Joan Hart. I even think I, am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? I think I, I think I, the funniest thing that I said to her is after probably after a whole bottle of wine, I decided to yell out Sabrina, the teenage bitch and thought that that was the funniest thing in the world. And she laughed, but I was just like laughing at myself. Like I thought that was so funny. And she was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. But she was so sweet and so cool. And just, I, I love her. She's definitely one of my faves. That, that's, that's sweet. I got, I got to ask you though, cause you're talking about how, you know, uh, you, your younger self and your crushes and such. I just got to know, and, and, and I'm sort of switching gears, but I'm just curious. If you could have had a conversation with your younger self, what advice would you give him? I think I would, now I know I would tell my younger self that uh, it's okay to, you know, be who you are and just know that you never have to be ashamed of you know, any kind of feelings that you have and that one day you'll come into yourself and, you know, it'll be okay to be that person. Um, I would also tell myself just to have a better relationship with my dad. My dad passed away a few years ago. My dad actually passed away right before we started shooting Christmas land. And I had to go into Christmas land having just buried my father. Uh, he was super young when he passed away, he passed away prematurely. Um, and I felt like I didn't get enough time. I mean, he was my buddy. He was my best friend, but I feel like I didn't get enough time with him. I didn't spend enough time with him. Uh, so I would definitely tell my younger self just to make sure you're, you're spending enough time with not only your dad, but your mom and your sisters and spend time away from everyone with them as well. You know, don't just say, Oh, I'm going to hang out with the whole family. Like 
pull your sisters aside sometime and hang out with them and do some things or pull your dad aside more and say, dad, let's go grab a beer. Let's go watch a movie, you know, really invest in personal time with everyone in your family. I definitely would tell my younger self that. That's a, that's a beautiful answer. I, you know, I, whenever I think about it, so I have, I have two kids, um, sorry, uh, diverge really, really briefly and then we'll move on. Um, whenever I hear people say, you know, they would go back and tell them you, you be proud of who you are or, or know that you will be, you will be proud of who you are. Um, don't be afraid. There's always this, like, like I want to impart that wisdom to them, but of course as a kid, you, you can't really hear that and understand it, you know? And, uh, and I hate, you know, there's so many people who, who hide themselves as kids and you hate that they went through that. There is, a, I guess, a, even though that's terrible when they're going through it, I find that those people often are the best adults. They have the best, most empathy for other people and, and perspectives of understanding um, what other people are going through and other, other ideas and perspectives as opposed to someone who's just been like, I'm the bomb right. my whole life. Yeah, as a kid, I, I felt different because I, I mean, not only I was a chubby kid, all right, so I was a chubby boy in my class. And so not only was I picked on for being overweight, I, you know, was also into different things that I felt like the other boys in my class were into. Um, I wasn't into playing basketball and soccer at recess. Um, I was really into choir and singing. I loved to dance. I was really into like the arts and growing up, I just felt like, you know, why is it okay for me to like these things why is it why am i being made fun of for for being who i am and and liking what i do so that's why i would definitely tell my younger self like hey don't worry about it because someday you're gonna get out of here and you're gonna go produce a lot of movies <laughs> and these kids are not they are they are gonna come writing you on facebook years down the road and say they yeah. love your movies so <laughs> that's what i would tell myself and i was like like obviously you girls know now knowing me for the the 45 minutes that you've now known me like i talk a lot <laughs> you you can tell that i i'm a talker and as a kid i talked a lot i was always talking and i was blah 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 i was blabbing everything and i was always just like, like scolded for for like talking and being so social but um yeah. I mean, it's kids have it rough. I would not do that again. I kids have it so rough just between like the, like bullying. And I, I don't know what, and I don't, I don't know if it's getting better in schools or not. I'm not a dad yet. I, I will be soon. I think, I think uh, my husband and I are planning on adopting in the next maybe two or three years. So I'm not a father just yet, but I will be, but I don't know. I don't know if it's getting better in school to to help kids you know kind of like what they want to like or stop bullying i don't know but i felt like when i was a kid there really weren't many teachers or adults around a lot of the times that i felt like i was getting bullied you know i was like where's an adult like really <laughs> yeah i get that well good luck my uh both both my girls are adopted oh great so, wow um, wish you all that's the luck awesome with that. that's really cool that's really really great i love that yeah i'm I'm excited. I mean, I know there are there. I know there are many kids out there who need a home and I'm in a perfect position because obviously my husband and I <laughs> can't birth a child uh, ourselves. So we are in the perfect position to be the perfect candidates for, you know, taking one or two or three or five. It's if it's up to me, hopefully my husband's not listening because he, he, want, he just wants one. But 
I want like five. <laughs> I just want to adopt a bunch of kids and dogs and, <laughs> and, and make Christmas movies. That's all I want to do. You're talking about future projects on a personal yeah. level. <laughs> yeah. Are there any future projects on a professional level that you're, you're working on that you, you're able to or would like to tease? Yeah, so I actually don't shoot Christmas movies entirely. I also produce um, some independent films as well in between Christmas movies. And I just executive produced my first um, really solid indie feature that will go to film festivals next year uh, mm. starring Anthony Hopkins, which is a huge name. So I had the opportunity to work alongside a very famous Italian cinematographer named Dante Spinotti, uh, who he was a cinematographer for this film. And uh, it's this very artistic indie film. And he is friends with Anthony Hopkins. And one day during pre-production and casting he was like oh i'll call up my friend anthony and and we'll get him in the movie and i'm like you're kidding anthony hopkins <laughs> uh, okay and then the project just turned into something much bigger than what i thought so it's exciting yeah i i haven't i haven't produced a movie this huge and this big before and that's something to look for next year in 2019 and it'll be something fun because i'll get to do the film festival circuit and i'll get to kind of rub elbows with these a-listers not to say these hallmark leading ladies aren't a-listers but um <laughs> you know it's it's definitely a next level in in my career so that's exciting that's called now is everything now is yeah. everything. he's okay. sir so he's definitely a next level sir anthony hopkins though sir anthony hopkins yeah, right? that's right <laughs> Well, that is so cool. We can't wait to, I can't wait to hear about that and see that. So we're going to wrap up here with our last question. Thank you again for coming on. Favorite fan interaction? I definitely have a couple of favorite fan interactions. One, I think I touched base on a little bit earlier. Um, I had a fan come to me. I was in Big Bear, California, and it's a little mountain town. And uh, I was at a real small town, mountain town diner, something almost you would see in a Hallmark Christmas movie. And I was talking to the waitress and she was like, what do you do? And I told her what I did. And it spread like wildfire in that restaurant that I produced Hallmark Christmas movies. And I had the chef coming out from the kitchen talking to me. I had other tables coming over and saying hello. And I didn't mind it at all. I loved it. And uh, on my way out, there was an, a woman, an, a, an older woman, who kind of, you know, she kind of hobbled her way over to me. And she's like, I want to tell you something. And I was like, yeah. And, and she told me that she had been battling cancer the past couple of years. And she still is battle. you know, she still is, is living with, with cancer. And um, she said that there, these movies... Uh, you know, kind of help her when they helped her when she was in the hospital and going through her treatments and at home. And there was one movie in particular that she brought up and she started to explain the storyline. And I said immediately, I knew exactly what that movie was. And I said, that is um, Christmas Land. And I said, I produced that one. And she was just so excited 
she started crying and she was like, that was my favorite Christmas movie. I would put it on all the time. I recorded it. I'd always make the, you know, the nurses and the staff put that movie on for me. And it was so lovely. Um, I think that was just kind of my favorite. That was, that was, that was my favorite moment where I'm just like, wow, these people remember the storylines and the characters' names and exactly what happened in these movies. And, um, so that was definitely my favorite fan interaction just to hear something so sweet like that. Yeah. And it was, it, it was oh, an awesome okay. moment. I'm so <laughs> like, sorry to make you cry. It was a really cool moment. No, it's just beautiful. You know, I've, I've produced about a dozen of these, but like I said, Hallmark has 37 this year. Last year, I think it was like 20 something movies. So the fact that like out of all of these movies, all of these Christmas movies, that she started talking about the exact one that I had just produced. It was just a real full circle moment for me. And just, to, it was really touching. Very cool. Um, well, let's end on a high note then. And you tell us your most awkward one. Cause you had mentioned that you had one. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, um, so I will sometimes send, uh, fans on Twitter, some pieces of the films that I've worked on. Like sometimes I'll send out cast and crew photos that, you know, either I sign and, and the cast signs or, uh, you know, people who I just feel like live tweet with me or interact with me on Twitter, I'll send them a little something, even if it's just an ornament from one of the movies, you know, I'll like send them a little something in the mail. So and cool. I had a fan once ask me if they could have, you know, an address where they could send something to me. And I said, yeah, of course. And I have a PO box. So, you know, it's not like I'm risking someone sending me something to my house. Uh, it's going to a PO box. So, uh, I gave him my PO box address. <laughs> I can't even say it. It's so weird. And it's an, it's, I get an envelope one day and it's like, it's like a manila envelope, you know, like eight and a half by 11, like standard, like paper size envelope. I pull it out and it's photos and it's photos of feet <laughs> and it's a photo of some, some, some guy on Twitter sent me photos of his feet and had them printed into large, like eight and a half by 11 photos. Oh my God. Yes. And it was like addressed to me, like dear Marcus, like hope you love. And in, in the letter, he asked me in return, if I would send him some photos of my feet. <laughs> No, of your feet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I mean, this guy still follows me on Twitter, so I'm not sure if he'll end up listening to this or not. But I just, uh, I just kind of let it fall wayside. I just didn't respond or didn't. I was just like, all right, this is really awkward. But I, I had a good laugh about it. It was just really yeah. random. I, I didn't know what, I had no idea what this person wanted to send me. I thought maybe it could be a Christmas card or a thank you note. I didn't think it was going to be eight and a half, uh, eight and a half by 11 portraits of someone's feet. But Merry, Merry, Merry words. Christmas, right? <laughs> That's amazing. I think, um, dude, if you're listening to this, the lesson you need to take is unless someone asks for them, please do not send people pictures of your feet. <laughs> No body parts. Just yeah. no body parts. Just don't, just don't, yeah. it's not necessary. Well, that's great. Well, uh, thank you for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, you're welcome. 
<laughs> and, uh, and thank you so much for all your time. We appreciate you spending a, an hour of chatting course. with us. No, thank you, ladies, so much, Kelsey and Uber. Thank you so much. So much. You're you're both so sweet. And thanks for having me on this podcast. It it means a lot. And uh, I hope that your viewers tune into Christmas Made to Order, December twenty third on Hallmark Channel. And if they uh, love the movie, feel free to send me a tweet at Marcus with a K underscore Hill, H-I-L-L. Or you can just Google or Twitter search Marcus Bishop Hill and I'll come up. And uh, yeah, let me know what you think of the movie. And and you ladies too, Kelsey and Uber, let me know what you think of the movie oh, yeah. because I, it's, I think it's one of the best ones that I've done. So let me know your feedback for sure. You just listened to the podcast Nerds of the Hub, produced, recorded, and edited by the TV Series Hub team. If you want to read TV and film-related articles, reviews, and more, go to www.tvserieshub.tv. Also, follow us on Twitter and check our Facebook page, both at TV Series Hub. Send us a message, Nerd Proudly.